0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Now
1: hiring. United Airlines has announced, Jacqueline, that the staff that they formally granted religious exemptions to their mandatory vaccination policy Uh will now be put on unpaid leave. Get your praying ass the fuck out of here and (laughs) turn in your wings. Aren't they opening themselves up to lawsuits like that? No, we didn't fire you.
2: We just put you on unpaid
3: leave. Until you get vaccinated.
2: But I'm not making any money.
1: No, you're on leave. That means you still work here. That's so corporate. It's
3: brilliant. It's Better brilliant. go get stabbed it's up.
1: up. It's dirty. That's what they
3: tell them. Go get stabbed up.
1: I am concerned with the people that will be left to handle these flights.
4: As <laughs> the fights
1: increase on the planes. United,
3: yo, these airlines, Ralph, this shit about to be like riding the subway. You gonna have to get a shank. I think what they need to do is allow all of the United people to take free MMA classes, and they all need rolls of duct tape to put unruly people in seats until they get off the plane. I keep telling y'all, man, unemployed
1: nightclub bouncers need to be flight attendants. It oh, solves this problem.
3: That's it perfect. It solves it. You ain't arguing with the bouncer.
2: They have to secure the plane, but they are about to have the C team flying these planes. So we all better learn how to fly a plane real fast. This is going to be bad.
1: Y'all waiting on me to fly a plane. It ain't going to happen. I can barely fly a paper airplane.
2: You better learn more than anybody.
1: I can't (laughs) fly a plane on PlayStation. There's too many buttons. If I get up in that cockpit and that controller got more than two buttons, we crash it. Oh, gosh. My name is Roy. This is my job fair. Top of the week to you. Top of the middle of the week to you. Third, how's it going? How's school? The youngins are back at school.
3: Oh, man, uh, school is really good so far, but you know how school is at this time of year. They went to school one day, and then they were all four-five. And then they go uh, back to school one day this week, and then they're all four-five. So, like, you know, it's like really the first two or three days of school in the month of September. So far, it's been great.
1: Uh, JG, as well, good day to you.
3: Hi. This week,
1: I want to kind of get into a little bit from the employment side and how screwed employers are. So we're gonna have someone coming on uh in the second break of the show to talk with us about ways that employers can entice people into actually working where they are because it's it's getting tougher and tougher to attract people into the staff. It is.
2: Mm. It's hard to get a Arby's roast beef
1: sandwich. What do you what do you mean by that? You
2: well. It's hard first, to get
1: a recipe sandwich. <laughs> first off, don't ever, I don't want you to ever offer any dialogue on anything that I consume again if you've openly admitted on this program to eating Arby's. I like Arby's. What's
2: wrong with Arby's?
3: And Nothing. I, I, well, well, I need a good roast beef with cheddar every once in a while, homie. Here's,
1: here, I love a beef and cheddar, but here's my assessment, and I hope that you appreciate this third. Mm.
4: The cheese is too yellow.
1: Facts, what? Facts. facts, facts, That's an odd, facts. and it's not a complaint. It's just why it's a little is off your push. Why is it so bright? It's, like just it's so bright. so radiant. Why? I is have your the for you? So radiant, I don't feel comfortable eating have more than the half answer. of this. The cheese like this. is government cheese.
2: That cheese has always been that radiant and that color when you melt it. Oh, so you just forgot about that cheese. Okay, you know that cheese looks like that. That's the answer.
3: Wait a minute. All the Arby's across the country is using government cheese, JG. Is that what you're telling me?
2: They got the meats, but not the cheese. So they got to use the government <laughs> cheese. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> wow. Okay.
3: JG is, a, is the Arby's cheese sommelier that I, that I didn't know I needed in my life right now. I seriously I, I like Arby's, that. but go ahead. I ain't mad. I ain't mad. I ain't
1: know that. Time now for Cody's most outstanding employee of the week. You know, we didn't talk about this the first time this happened over in Egypt. What? But we're going to talk about it this time because it's happened again. Another big ship is stuck in the Suez Canal and has blocked traffic and one of the world's most major shipping routes again. Is it now, the same ship? No, different ship. So, um, Suez Canal, you know, that's where the ships cut through to keep from going around the bottom of Africa and dealing with the pirates and all of that bullshit. So you cut up through the Persian Gulf Mediterranean to get well. you come (laughs) out in the Mediterranean Sea. Right. And that's like the shortcut to Europe and all of that. Uh, Yeah. So another ship. I guess turned the wrong way, and the, the canal is a little too shallow, and uh, now it's stuck, and now it's a bunch of ships just chilling in the Gulf waiting for the tugboats to pull it out.
5: So,
2: how does this connect to Cody's most outstanding?
1: Oh, this is terrible. This is not outstanding in a good way. Okay. <laughs> this is, if you're that guy, and then the captain comes up to the deck, what do you say, Jacqueline?
4: Alright, that's sounds like a reason. Really- <laughs>
1: Did I do that?
2: Okay, Urkel.
1: That's what I'd have said. I would jump off the ship, dog. No, you can't jump off the
2: ship. The The captain stays with the ship.
1: No, this is the driver. I'm talking about this like the first mate or whatever the fuck. Captain D, I don't know what you call this dude. Long John.
2: (laughs) It's probably a man driving this thing. But it has, they have to have some room for error. I mean, they got to learn. So they just messed up.
3: I think you are a G and a half if you decide to jump after making that mistake have you ever seen one of them you talk about jumping like 30 stories homie into into an area that might be the size of a watermelon to hopefully save your life if you to take up that much you're a g if you're jumping
2: he's not jumping he's gonna stay and correct it just like these people are he's not jumping anywhere he's very um organized and maintained but i still don't understand how this is cody's bad, most outstanding, or whatever you're going with
1: this. It's outstanding in a bad way because you fucking blocked everything. So congratulations. You are the worst employee on your ship. Oh, so you've <coughs> never made a mistake.
2: You've never made a mistake.
1: I've never blocked global commerce. Tax. Never done that. Mm. What's Ooh. the biggest mistake you've made on a job then, Jacqueline?
2: I think every job I've ever had, I've made a mistake, but the one that resonates with me is when I sent out an email that was just laced with typos, but I was so young.
1: You hear this shit, third?
2: But it went to like a hundred thousand people.
1: Third, do you hear this shit, Jacqueline's big? That's thing the worst. Is that she <laughs> couldn't put the i before e except after c? That's her big. That's, that's the. That's, that's your it. biggest. That's yeah. the big shit. It went
2: to like hundred thousand people.
1: In the course of one week on air at 95.7 Jams, I played an unedited print call at 7 o'clock in the morning when school children were listening. Terrible. Four days later, I played eight ball and MJG for four hours straight accidentally on the gospel station.
3: Oh, my gosh. On the gospel station, though? On the gospel station. Hey man, maybe they needed that Space Age pimping, bro. Sometimes sometimes you need candy. that in your life. It was literally the it <laughs> only
1: it's literally the only eight ball and MJG song that you can get away with playing on a gospel station because they don't curse, they don't denigrate women. The whole song is about celebrating how nice their car looks and how happy yeah. they look in their car.
2: You felt bad, didn't you? Oh my god, you oh, felt yeah. bad.
1: Yeah, so I should have fired. Think, well,
2: how do you think this person on the ship? Driving
1: I, the what makes you think I didn't try to jump out the 10th floor of that medical forum building when I found out what was happening?
2: <laughs> you didn't. But I'm just saying. Double
1: pane glass. I couldn't get out.
2: <laughs> we make mistakes, Roy. It happens.
3: Third, what is the
1: worst mistake you've made on a job?
3: Man, the show is short, bro. We ain't got that much time to talk about the mistakes that I've made. <laughs> <laughs> some of the many jobs that I have I have held down. Okay, okay. Um, Worst
1: mistake, yeah. and you still were able to stay on board. Like, they didn't fire you for it.
3: Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> oh, they fired you. <laughs> <laughs> I, you yeah, no, they took me. Yeah, no, no, I, yeah, no, uh-uh. No. Uh, yeah. Pretty much every time. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten fired before and it wasn't even my fault. Like they were just like, you look menacing. Yo, they were like, literally they were there like, you look menacing today. When I came into work, that's what my boss said to me, he said, you look menacing today. And I was like, I've got on a bow tie and a stat- I don't know what you're talking about. And I went about my job about halfway through the day. I got a call to come down to HR. They called me down to HR, put me in the office. was like, Mr. Cooper, we're firing you. And I was like, but I didn't do anything wrong. And the woman literally says, well, your boss did say you looked menacing today and that was enough for us. I was like, but I wasn't even late for some reason. I'm that dude when, when, when the company does riffs and stuff, I'm the one that they send two or three security guards to, to walk out the building because <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a big ass dude. So like, they, they, they we didn't want you to be upset. I didn't have a chance. You already put me in cuffs. So like, yeah, that's what they do. You're welcome. JJ. Well, nonetheless,
1: <laughs> whoever was driving the wonderful shipping vessel, The coral crystal
2: that ran aground
1: aground in the Suez Canal and stopped shipping traffic. You are Cody's. I'm going to say it because you know I'm right.
2: You're not right. They need a second chance.
1: You are Cody's Uh. most outstanding. Cody's most outstanding employee of
3: the week. Let's say least outstanding employee of the week. Would that make you feel better? Nah, man. He still got all them people waiting behind his ass. He's a, he's the most outstanding. Damn that.
2: Is it really a guy?
3: <laughs> probably so. The ship. Oh, probably.
2: I'm just it's, curious it's now. A, I'm gonna look it's it up.
1: A, the ship. The ship is from Panama. It's a Panamanian ship. And Panama doesn't strike me as a country that's just. I don't know. Maybe they are progressive in women's equity. Maybe they are letting women drive ships.
2: Well, the reason why I said it, because it wouldn't have happened to a woman. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, fifth woman was the turn for the Suez Canal all
3: together. She'd have had, had to do that 360. <laughs> she had to do that 360 curve, and she'd have took out a straight wall. You already know. I ain't even go. Mm. It wouldn't be
1: have happened.
3: Be somewhere in the Indian Ocean, talking about this is quicker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Going
2: yeah. by Paris somewhere to get some shoes.
3: <laughs> Arguing with the GPS out in the middle of the ocean.
1: This mm-hmm. part of Royce's job fair is brought to you by sexism. Sexism. Right? <laughs> <laughs> sponsors <laughs> worse than first time, this is where we invite you, the job fair listener, to come on this acoustical radio presentation and tell us about a terrible job or a good job you had you may have had a you may have had a memorable job third do you have any good job memories other other than shitting in
3: his <laughs> toilet before you resigned and left that job um there's that part. Yeah. Actually, man, if I, if there's a, one job that I, that I actually really cherished was uh, when I was uh, teaching at Baloo Senior High School down there in Southeast D.C., and I also got to be the soccer coach. I cherished all mm-hmm. two years of that, man. I love, I love working down there. It's a good thing.
1: I still think that my first job at Baskin-Robbins is probably the one that I have the most fondness for because that manager didn't have a reason to hire me. I was a 15-year-old little black kid in a suit, and he hired me on the spot. I did a lot of daily work, daily pay stuff, and that's why I'm very excited about these guests that we're about to have on now. So the pandemic hits last year, and comedy clubs were one of the first to go. Like, boy, don't nothing wake you up to how unessential your job is. bruh. pandemic. And you go, oh! my job is for people with disposable income. What? (laughs) Everybody's broke and unemployed. Oh shit. No one wants to see jokes. So there, there was, there was a wonderful, wonderful charity. And we did this super dope telethon Mm -hmm. last year with a group called comedy gives back. And we raised money, you know, for a lot of comedians that are in, you know, those different that aren't in, Positions as privileged as myself, Mm. you know what I'm saying. And I started Mm. nine years on the road, sleeping in my car, and you know the story in the boots. And we go back and listen to the first fucking episode. But it's my pleasure to bring on two of the co-founders of Comedy Gives Back, and I I want to I want to talk to y'all a little bit about how this came to. I guess I should say your names first: Zoe Friedman, Joey Lieberman. Welcome to the job fair, Jody (laughs) Lieberman. Hello.
6: Hi. So nice so, to be here. Thank you so much.
1: So when did you all know for sure that COVID was about to change stand-up comedy? Like, as the shutdown was starting to, like, happen?
5: You know, I I remember it was March. It was Friday the 13th, March 13th. I had a call with um Brian Baldinger, who works over at Starburn's Audio and we were talking about the Just for Last Festival because I consult for them that's one of my you know many plates we spin you know as we uh you know do many different things and we were supposed to have an in person meeting and we said let's just do it on the phone and it was clear that the announcements were coming like the clubs were closing we were seeing comics get gigs call- canceled and at that moment, he's actually he said to me, "We need to let's do something." I said, "Oh, we were on our call. Comic is back earlier this day talking about what do we do?" Like everybody was seeing on the writing in the World. I don't think anybody anticipated how long it would last, obviously, and how shut down completely it would be for a, a prolonged period of time. I think we were like, "Oh, you know," we all like through the summer, or even like a month, and we went fast into action, you know, and um, and and decided that we have to, uh, you know, create a program to a fundraiser, a digital telethon, live stream telethon. Um, but I think it was on that March 13th that we started seeing the writing on the wall that, and people like, I don't think I can even go meet you in person right now. It was like wow. that kind of thing. Like, are we supposed to meet in person? I guess not. Let's just do a call. And then The call became, let's do aid. Well, it wasn't called aid at that time. Let's, you know, Comedy Gives Back was around. We were not a pandemic relief organization. We were a a nonprofit that supports the comedy community and comedians in need, much like a music cares or actors fund. That's how we Mm -hmm. created and envisioned it because, you know, uh, comics are great artists and they have a hard road and they sleep in their cars and they don't have insurance and Mm -hmm. they don't, you know, they live gig to gig. And we all know this well from our, you know, various jobs in the business and so it was you know we envisioned it one way and then we pivoted and you know did the laugh aid which and roy you were one of the first to say yes and we had 90 comedians who came and said yes uh and we started giving out grants on april 5th we did on april 4th we gave out our first 100 grants on april 5th and have given over a thousand grants uh, while the clubs were closed before zoom shows it was before zoom shows became a thing and before comedians knew that they Probably had to depend on those a little bit, you know. But right, so well,
6: I'm I'm not a performer. I'm also a comedy producer and a manager, but I work with comics, and it was pretty fearful when all of a sudden we realized, oh, every gig from that was booked in March and April got canceled. But the good news was no one knew how long it was going to last, so everything just got moved till May. So everybody had hope. It was all like deferred income in the sense that okay it's not happening now but it will happen in May and then within three four days later in March stuff got pushed till July and then three days later it got pushed till September and then it didn't get rescheduled so I think at one point people started to realize like my clients were like oh I need to do zoom shows or we need to figure out other ways to perform we need to go outside and do shows. So thank God it was, you know, summer was coming, the weather was getting warmer. Um, But like when we started doing aid, we were like, how are we doing this? How are people performing without an audience? And that's when we started to realize, oh, maybe we'll do podcasts and stuff. And then people adapted. And I think people got very creative over, over the course of the pandemic.
3: I'd agree with you. And, and, and if I may, because uh, I am planning on one day being where Roy is, where he could be like, oh, my TV shows got canceled. Right right now, I'm just having my kids are in school. So like, shout out to both of you for, for hearing um, you know, comics being in need and, and him talking about DC. That's home for me. And I, and I literally watched every room that was a standard close, like everything that might have been running for anything more than three to five years. And like last year as a comic, when you got rejected from 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 the festivals it hit way harder last year than it ever has and i've been doing comedy since 05 it hit last year like it really felt like oh damn like i, I don't know what to do so can you can like the idea of of helping out comics who are in need like personally i i'm just impressed by that and and i'm and i'm kind of curious about the grants and stuff and and what that does not for me personally now Roy's is a very good employer so i just need y'all to know that but <laughs> But on the same tip, I'm I'm interested in how that that process kind of works.
6: Well, it changed as as we went on. So initially, mm. um, when we started giving out grants in April, right after we did comedy goes back, laugh aid, it was the comics had to prove that they were a working comic, making between X dollars. I think it was twelve thousand dollars. because We felt that was the minimum because we didn't want to give it out to people who were like, "Hey, I'm a comic." For a I just went and you know did an open night mic one night and got paid 50 dollars and then they had to prove to us that they had shows that were booked in march and april or may that were canceled mm. and that was basically our criteria and then when we gave out another round later on you know we knew every show was canceled so it was just you know making sure that their income that they were a working comic basically.
5: How are you going to be sure that people aren't scamming you or fraudulent, like getting Mm -hmm. claims or comics that aren't real. And we have an amazing board member named Harold Owens, who is the executive director of music cares. And he said, it's really, it becomes super clear, super fast, who's legit and who is not. And we happen to all live in the world of comedy. And then we, if we don't know them, somebody else does. And truthfully, when we were looking at these grants, you know, um, You know, there were people like, I'm a hairdresser who tells jokes. I'm like, oh, we wish we could help you, Mm. but we can't. We really, the other thing about the comedy community that was so exceptional is that comics who are, and we say working comics, we're helping working comics in need. Like somebody needs it more than me. And it's a $500 grant, Ralph. It wasn't like, and I said, take it. You're a working comic. If you get back to work next month, then you can give it back. Like, you know, whatever, make a donation. That's fine. Right. But like this graciousness of comedians go like somebody needs it more than me i was like that's great you don't have to be selfless you can step up and say i, I i'm deserving it's a of lot this of
3: pride in our community it's a lot of pride I was about to say yeah it's, it's real it's real that's it
5: too especially yep.
3: especially roy hit it early on I, i'm one of those dudes i slept in my car i know what that's like and i know what that 500 will do because when you're a comic and you're trying to come up you can use 500 over a course of a week and go to like four states if you know what you're doing.
5: You know, we wish it could have been more, you know, mm. but we wanted to be able to help as the most we could, right? We wanted, and we wanted to pay, the number wasn't a random number. There are tax implications once you go above mm-hmm. a certain amount, but you know, we also support, we we have 10 comedians and mental health uh, services that we're paying for therapy. We put That's our first dope. comic through. Chemical dependency and he's back on the road. And he got cast in a fox show. Like
1: so, with all that said, I wanted to celebrate you all and thank you all for supporting people in the industry that, like many, was struggling during a time um that was unprecedented. I hate that word. Uh but we're here to handle business with y'all. So worse than first, I want to hear about a shit job, Zoe Freeman.
5: The summer before I went to college. I had that opportunity to be a nanny. I didn't mm. even like kids at the time or I didn't baby. I wasn't one of those babysitter people. Like the family was recovering like the mom, the the parents like the father had an affair. I I felt oh. like there was something kind of weird in the house. <sighs> like there was like like a toxicity oh, that no. I was sort of but I couldn't oh, put no. my finger on it till I found out later that he had cheated, had an affair, and they were working on it. And then the grandparents came and they wanted me to sleep in the room with the baby. And I was like, I don't want to share a room with no babe. Like I was ill equipped to <laughs> be I hated it so much. Did you get any
3: <clears throat> off
1: days? Like what the f-
5: I don't know. It wasn't it was definitely like was it,
3: uh, was, was it just the baby? Was it was, that it was a
5: baby and a toddler.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh. oh no. Oh. And I was,
5: Yeah, totally.
3: Like you're
1: mm-hmm. 18. That yeah, was should like have been 18. all the birth control you needed. Yeah, for, for years. years.
5: The, it took me 18 more years to have a kid. So, yes, it was good birth <laughs> control for
1: sure. But <laughs> well, the charity is Comedy Gives Back. And also, October 4th, you all are doing a Comedy Gives Back inaugural celebrity golf classic. I'm sorry I can't participate because I'm not good at golf. Let me know if you do a celebrity golf batting cage type situation. Uh, You can bid on an opportunity to play with some celebrity comedians like Ray Romano, Jeff Garland, Burt Kreischer. Go to ComedyGivesBack.com. Even if you just want to donate and you can't go out there to play golf with them. That's going down October 4th. Uh, We got to get into the world of employment. But uh, Jody, I want you to stay around for scam of the week. because. I know I know some comedy scams and I I figured Oh I'ma tell you the story about the Dope the Dope Boys third. I don't know if you've heard this one. Nah. Nope. Probably nah. one of the greatest comedy scams that I've ever
0: seen running. Job fair, we'll be right back.
1: job fair. We back in this thing. Now, this acoustical radio presentation, JG, has been to help employees, right? Like, that was the original (laughs) impetus for this, was, hey, nobody got a job. You need to know where the job's at. And you thinking about changing your job. Ralph, did I ever tell you the story of how the job fair became to be? The patient nah. zero.
3: Nah, man. Nah, so hit me to the game. I want to know.
1: I got a partner who is a lobbyist for the cannabis industry. You see Good that? Job, you see, I didn't Good say job, the, the M word,
3: the dread. It's right here, homie. It's right here. I appreciate that. Go ahead on. I'm with it. His
1: only function in life pre-COVID was to wine and dine politicians in his state. I can't say which state. To try to get the laws changed in his state so that the cannabis industry could come in and make that money. COVID hits. Every politician is in the at-risk age group in this state. You already know it's a southern state. Old is what I'm trying to say. Um, And so he didn't have any way to make no bread. He pivoted and released a gospel album. And he is now a gospel singer.
3: That's a pivot, bro. That's a pivot.
1: And the way he was explaining and walking me through everything, I was like, someone needs to hear this. podcast. But what we haven't (laughs) done is talk about ways that employers and the things employers could do to try to make their situation better because now it's a competition for workers. Everybody is stealing employees. People is poaching like a motherfucker, dog. Employers ain't got no shame. Employers will straight call you up at your job. McDonald's will walk up on you in Burger King. and be like, what's good? You going to come across the street? We got We're bonuses. We giving away iPhones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought it would be cool you know, for this segment of the show, instead of talking about ways for people to find jobs, it, it, it would be cool to talk to someone who can help the employers find employees. And I appreciate you for middleman in this situation for us there. Third, uh, J.G., who is on the line with us?
2: We have Elaine with us, and she has 25 years of experience in the corporate arena, and she's going to talk to us very frankly about problem solving when it comes to hiring hourly workers.
1: Elaine, welcome to the job fair. Thank you for agreeing to come on this program. You're welcome. We're, we're, in, a, we're, in, a, we're in a world now where I feel like the employees have all the power. If you are a hireable person, then you can kind of command your salary, your terms, your bonuses. I have a friend right now that's six months into a new job, and her old job from four years ago was already trying to poach her with a 150% salary bump. What, what are the issues? Where are companies messing up? Because I like that. That's, I'll, let's start with COVID. I saw where about a week or so ago, United Airlines basically said, Everybody got to get the vaccine, or we're just going to put you on unpaid, leave. which is why not just say fire? Why can't you just say fire? Yeah. But uh, And then also, uh, President uh, Joe Biden said that um, all government employees have to get the shot. Do you think that a lot of employers are hesitant to enact vaccine mandates for fear of losing employees that they well, need right now?
7: Breaking news. 20 minutes ago, Joe Biden announced that every private employer in this country that has 100 or more employees... Must ensure that their employees are vaccinated and if not vaccinated, tested on a weekly basis. That just happened just before we turned our computers on to talk to each other. So, you know, my email blew up, right? With all my HR and talent acquisition friends going, okay, now what? Because that really changes the game. Because now what we've done is what this ruling is going to do is it's going to make vaccination a condition for hiring and a condition for continued employment. Now, this ruling literally just came out 20. I mean, Joe Biden just announced it 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. So we're going to have to wait for the thing to come down. We're going to have to unpack it and ask a million questions.
1: And then lawsuits. and then,
7: uh... Oh, get on Twitter, my guy. The people on Twitter are blowing it up you know you got half the people running to the supreme court screaming and you got half the people going hallelujah that's just how divided we are right but when you
3: say say a private when you say a private company i'm sorry i'm jumping in lane when you say a private company now are we talking about not just like your data firms and places like that are we still also talking about with mcdonald's or or el polo loco 7-eleven do they fall under that kind of stuff too
7: yes they do yes they do a private employer so he was making the distinction between his previous ruling which was if you take a paycheck from the federal government you are getting a vaccine to now he's saying okay forget that now if you're a private employer in this company The Department of Labor is going to come down on you and make sure your employees are vaccinated. And if you don't comply, it's a $14,000 fine for every violation. So I haven't
2: read this yet, but is he making an executive order? And then my second question is, who's responsible for paying for this? Because if I have less than 100 employees, is the federal government going to pitch in? Because, I mean, you can't mandate something that you're not going to help me pay for.
7: Well, it's 100 employees or more. So it's mm-hmm. employee it's employers with 100 or more employees, okay. right? And what he's mandating is um, you have to give your employee time off to get the vaccine. I support that. I mm. think if I'm an hourly worker, and Ralph knows hourly workers are kind of my passion to make sure they get taken care of. If you're going to require that I be vaccinated, you better be paying me for the time it takes me to go over to the vaccine center and get my shot and come back. And if I don't feel so good, maybe you need to pay me for some time off to feel a little bit better, too. So we're going to have to unpack that because that could get complicated pretty quickly, right? So, you know, in any in, in local municipalities, I mean, if it were me running a company with more than 100 people and I was asking them to come back on site. You know, I'd be rounding up vaccine doses and hiring a nurse and saying, as they come through the door, put out your arm, put out your arm, put out your arm and making it simple for people, <laughs> right? But yeah. we have to unpack that. We, we, this ruling literally isn't even inked yet. He's just talking about it on the TV, but okay, it's coming.
1: Okay. But then to that point, Elaine, these companies with 100 of better employees, some of these people are going to go kiss my ass. I'm going to go be a gospel singer. And-
4: <laughs>
7: You have to replace that person. I know. You have to replace him. When we started this conversation, when you started the conversation, I liked the way you put it. I mean, you you basically said what I've been saying, which is right now employees have the upper hand or or, or they did. Um, until 20 minutes ago. So, <laughs> so, 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 because we're always pulling the rug out, right? We're always changing the rules. We're always moving the goalpost, particularly when you're work. an hourly worker. Um, and you can just stop me if you don't want to hear about hourly workers, but, you know, that's what comprises the bulk of people in our country, people who work for 12, 11, 13 bucks an hour, right? That's so- who, yeah?
1: What are these companies doing wrong? Why do they have a problem hiring hourly workers and retaining them? Because a lot of them are just walking off the job. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of jobs that are becoming thankless. When you, when you wait 15 minutes for a Big Mac and a six-piece nugget, like I did at the McDonald's in Times Square, but I'm not supposed to complain about it because I have to be appreciative and thankful and clap for our essential fast food workers. How... Do companies fix this problem what are the mistakes so why why is this an issue for companies number one beyond wage
7: when i think about it i think about the the way companies and corporations have evolved over time and everything about employment has been on a company's terms everything what i pay you when i pay you how often i pay you what your shift is if you can change your shift, if you get to work overtime or not, companies have always dictated the terms of that engagement. When COVID happened, that all just got upended, right? Because now um, you really couldn't tell me where I could work because I could work from home. And companies sort of lost some of their um, overlord status is the best way I can put it without being... They lost
0: the juice. Yeah, without being
7: too offensive, right?
0: Yeah,
7: And because, and, and the more inflexible you were as an employer, the quicker you lost people. And I think about it from the end, you know, I started my life out in um, my corporate life really out in high end pharmaceuticals, right? So scientists and researchers and engineers, they don't even look at a paycheck. We all, we all made so much money, nobody looked at a paycheck. And over the time, I, of I my- can't
1: relate to that, but <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm trying to go. I so, want to get well,
3: there.
1: you know, that's-
7: we we literally had that's scientists amazing. who had no idea how much money they made because they never looked at the paycheck. Well, when I ended up in business process, outsourcing, call center, that kind of world, right? It It's not like that, man. People are waiting. And so when 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 COVID happened and people got sent home, either with or without a job, and there had alternate means of getting at least some funding, so some government help or whatever, or they figured it out, right? Maybe they had a partner that could still work. And so they figured out how to share babysitting with their neighbors, or they you know, they they figured out a way to survive. And they realized, wait a minute, I'm not going back to the way those people treated me, and why should I? And it wasn't just mm-hmm. about pay. It just wasn't just about pay. And and what I like to think about a, a company that could be successful in attracting and holding on to hourly workers or people that aren't making so much money, they don't bother to look at a paycheck, is to give them a whole package of things. So give them the opportunity to decide when they work. Recently, uh, I got
2: some cousins that's
1: not gonna work for Elaine. I'm gonna just tell you that up front when I want to work. So, okay, I'll see you in four months. Flex scheduling could work because, like, I'm a night owl. I would, like, if I was doing computer terminal work, I would rather work like 11 to 5 a.m. or something, but uh, keep going. Agreed.
7: Yeah, or let people. And one of the things that I noticed that really bothered me in call center and contact center work was. We were just so rigid. So we would have moms that would say, hey, can I get off at quarter to four? Not at four, but at quarter to four because the bus comes and Mm -hmm. I want to meet my kid. And we would say, no, you got to work a full eight hours. Otherwise, we're going to dock you. Well, how stupid is that? But that is very common in shift work. It is very common not to give people schedule flexibility because why? Because the company never had to before. And why should they? It gets complicated because now I got to plug that 15 minute gap. And yeah, I don't think so. I'll just fire you and get somebody who doesn't have a kit. Well, OK, yeah. you see, I get pissed off about this because <laughs> in the world that I came from, more than 50 percent of the workers were women with children and most of them were single moms. It does not work if you don't sort of help someone navigate their whole life. It's not just about the pay. It's not just about the benefits, which, of course, most of them can't afford. It's, it's about helping them manage all the facets of their life. And I think if you can get your arms around some of that and show people that you really have, the, have a process in place to do that or have that intention, I mean, maybe that's a place that people would, would like to work. How
1: fiscally realistic is that for companies if they can't give you better salary? How much of a hurt is it to their bottom line to be more flexible with their workers?
7: Well, I would argue with you that it's not a hurt to their bottom line at all. I mean, if I can substitute flexibility and also what I like to talk about, which is paying paying you after every shift, then I might not have to give you any more money. I might be able to offset that. I might be able to say, hey. I'm going to let you pick your shift. As long as you work 40 hours for me in a week, I don't care when you work it. I don't care. And I don't care if you work it four hours here and then take that two-hour break to tend to a baby or an elderly parent or whatever, and then come back and work me another four because we're in a global world, right? So in in call center, contact center, you think people stop calling for help at five o'clock East Coast time? They do not. I can assure you (laughs) of this. They do not. Mm-hmm. So we literally you can run many businesses that do chat, calls, food, the the food industry. You can run those businesses 24/7 if you want to, right? Mm-hmm. And and people do. So I think that there's an off there could be an offset there where you can substitute or trade um some lifestyle benefits for cash. True story. I was going through a strat, I was going through
2: a drive-thru, just bleak Or whatever. And the guy came on the speaker and he said, Cash only, how can I help you? I said, I'm coming to the window. So I waited a few minutes. I said, Obviously, I know what is about to happen here. He said, Yes. I said, Well, can you just go ahead and give me a sandwich? And he was like, Yes. And I was like, And a drink. He was like, No fries. I said, No. He gave me these things and I kept going because he was taking cash only because that was his last night. So how do you stop? Oh, yeah, that's how that happens. How do you stop the turnover? I'm serious. How do you stop the turnover if you're paying them as soon as they get done that night or
7: the second night of work? How do you stop that turnover? I don't pay them everything that they're owed. I pay them half what they're owed. So yeah. what What uh, shift pay or daily pay or earned wage pay. Yeah,
1: Explain that first. Then let's yes. come back to this RBS, oh, how well. do you fix-up problem.
7: Yeah. So essentially what um, earned wage access is or shift pay is... Every day, uh, you hourly workers, you count the number of hours, right? I worked eight, I worked seven, I worked six and a half, I worked 15, whatever, right? And um, you count the hours and you make half of those hours available for instant pay on an app, mm. right? Okay. So um, I'm not giving you everything and just have you cut and run with my money and not come back to work the next day or later on in that shift, right? You you make half of it available to people because the same way corporations, you know, have exercised dictatorial control, they've decided not only I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pay you, I'm going to tell you when. And do you think most hourly employees like to get paid every other week? No, they can't wait that long. (laughs) You know what the percentage of hourly employees that don't have checking accounts is, that don't have a way to get access to their money even on payday payday
1: loans in college i can tell you yes yes and this
7: this thing earned wage access shift pay daily pay it eliminates the need to go to a predatory sorry roy um payday lender. You don't (laughs) have to do that. In my last company, uh, I I instituted that. And I basically said, if you worked eight hours today, I will pay you for four tonight. If you want it, you don't have to take it, but if you want it, you can download the app. There's no charge. It's right here on the app. It's your money. I'll transfer it to your bank account. You can, I'll give you a debit card for it. You can swipe it at Target or Walmart or wherever you are. And it just helps people like who can't wait you know, to only wow. get paid twice a month. When you got a truck payment, you got to pay the lady watching your kid, right? I'm a huge fan of this, um, of this and I was an early adopter of it, and it's a huge hit. So, so when I would go out in the market and try to hire in a high volume environment, I would say, hey, do those guys down the street pay you every day? Well, I do. You come over here, and I'm going to pay you every day. So, it's a an attraction tool and a retention tool because they know they can get money every day or at the end of every shift. And not everybody's doing that, but they should be.
1: Tell us about the app and how other employers could use this if it's something that they want to do. Not me, of course, because the job fair pays every, 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 what I pay y'all twice a week, monthly. When is we're good at it, it,
7: Roy. Don't yeah,
3: we're good. Donnie, yeah, you're
1: <laughs> good. We got it.
7: <laughs> We're good. We're you we're all can just good. call me privately after this. Um, <laughs> I'll help you out. <laughs> um, there's several uh, companies that do this. I have a particular fondness for a company called Branch, B-R-A-N-C-H. They do a wonderful job. It's a small company. The CEO is a great guy and he really has a passion for improving not just access to pay, but in improving financial well-being for hourly, the hourly and gig workforce, right? Because not everybody grows up with a checking account or a credit card or knows how to budget for anything. And, and he, he supplies a lot of that stuff, free education, which was super helpful for me in my last job to give uh, the people working for us not only an ability to get money quicker, but also some tools for how to navigate financial life. We had a big call center down in Mississippi and uh, on my watch, uh, very first time we ran our own payroll by ourselves as a company. You know, we had maybe 1500 people there and I'd say about 60 of them. We didn't get the paychecks to their home address correctly. We had the wrong address for them. So it was bad, right? First of all, they're only getting paid every other week, which sucks. And now I didn't get the damn paycheck to him. So I you got
1: auto pays scram- racing to that bank. On I'm that scrambling
7: like crazy. And I call the, the local banker. Right. And I call him up and I say, Hey, I employ about 1100 people in your community, it's really small town, Mississippi, and I need you to help me. I'm going to send them some paper checks and I want you to cash them for me. And he said, I won't. I said, what? He said, well, wow. most of those people have had checking accounts in here before and they owe me money and I'm not cashing their checks. And I said, okay, you, you've got to help me out, man. It's Friday. I'm i am airlifting checks to these folks. You have got to help me out. I can't have them go the weekend, not be able to pay the light bill. I will personally guarantee them. My company will guarantee them. I need you to cash those checks. He would not do it. That is when I put in that uh, daily pay system. I thought, okay, I just won't do business with a bank at all. You're, you out it had never occurred to me that people didn't have checking accounts. that was an education for me that people didn't have a checking account you know why they can't afford the service fees they can't afford the fees and god love them if they bounce a check
4: they're out of there
7: they're out of there for me that was learning how to do an end run around the the banking system which does not support people um, fully uh, low wage hourly workers. I was happy to leave them behind.
1: Thank you so, so much for coming on. I think you've given a lot of employers something to think about. And if you have more than a hundred employees, you better get that visor in stock and start jabbing people in the arm as soon as they walk up in there.
3: The call it the Elaine system, brother. just like, like, just how you doing? Welcome to work, stab. How you doing? Welcome to work, stab. Just, that's the Elaine, Elaine.
1: system. Elaine Davis, thank you so much for coming on the job. Thank you, Elaine. I appreciate you.
7: Enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody.
1: Not only did I used to do payday loans, I figured out in college third how to make counterfeit pay stubs. Because <laughs> a pay stub essentially, it's not made on any type of watermarked official, right. like you're not recreating a fucking dollar bill. It's a piece of paper, it's a grid with numbers on it. And no one calls to verify any of this shit. I'm just gonna be honest, there were weeks where I needed a hundred dollars to go make a hundred and fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and so that hundred dollars got me to the one fifty and then when I got back in town, I would give them back their hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, you give it back thirty so well, you I give still it back. gotta pay it back I gotta keep running the hustle the rest of the summer, so yeah, I give them back the I borrow a hundred I think you pay back one twenty one thirty it was like a ridiculous percentage, and I would net. 20 dollars for the weekend
3: like that's all and I a free would. coke you gave it back though that's when you learn how to misspell your own name but i don't want to lie i don't want to tell him nobody
1: after the <laughs> break <laughs>
3: if ralph is still here
1: he'll join us as we talk to rod and rod will walk <laughs> us through some things that you can break the ice with damn bro you was cold-blooded with it. i was just trying to get him to front me a hundred dollars Yo, ass trying to break the whole bernie made off ponzi scheme over here mr ponzi man
3: campus was five minutes away from magic city roy i couldn't go in there with 30 you
1: spent the money on strippers
3: you gotta I support was,
1: people that work hard roy i was promoting my comedy career i was trying to advance as a comedian
3: i wasn't i wasn't doing that in college sir sorry i was i was you i went was to school and everybody strippers at 34 interest
0: they gave you full songs <laughs> we'll be back Job
1: fair. We back in this thing. He comes to us from parts unknown. He is the homie Narado, aka Rod for short, giving you topics to break the ice with co workers of the opposite race. Rod, what's going on, sir?
8: What's, that, what's up, man? Uh, how y'all feeling?
1: I'm good, the fuck huh? are, your audio sounds terrible. Are you like hiding in your side chick's closet or some shit right now?
8: You know how your boy gets down. I'm actually under the table. don't know if it's her man or if it's just Amazon. Whatever it is, uh, your boy is in high. Absolutely.
1: Have you ever been in I'm a different Third. Me? I, I had to hide from a girl's 14-year-old son one time in college. That was different. Are you scared <laughs> he was <Wait>, going to
8: beat <what>? your ass?
1: <laughs> nah, he was going to snitch me out to the, the baby daddy. I ain't feel like yeah, that. I ain't no. trying to go out like oh, that. Dang. Mm.
3: <laughs>
4: Jacqueline, what do you Short answer, yes.
3: That's all I'm going to say. I, I've lived a life, Jacqueline.
2: That's right? fine. It's just that <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to ask questions later.
1: <laughs> All right, Rod, let's make it quick before the side dude finds you and beat your ass live on this Back. podcast. Get the people get the people something to break the ice with their coworkers, man.
8: Uh white people what what's all the race right now with black people? is Young Jeezy and Gucci Mane officially burying the hatchet even after they did a versus together. That's going on tour together this fall, and that's a beautiful thing. Nobody ever thought that could happen. But Young Jeezy and Gucci Name will be touring together this fall. It's it's a reconciliation love like hip hop history. If
1: I mean, you bring that up to black, to your black co-workers, they will hug you. It really, especially if you work in the south. That's that. and yeah. Gucci touring together. I don't know. Is the Beatles and Yoko Ono like going to Cheesecake Ooh. Factory to have a meal? Would that be Ooh. the equivalent beef squashing? That
8: would absolutely be the equivalent. Wow. This is like Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham getting married. All right. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs>
1: allegedly and this is a big allegedly cuz I don't want no trouble with the Atlanta hip hop community but allegedly mm-hmm. Jeezy sent goons to kill Gucci man this is in the early 2000s what? and yeah I remember hearing this story Gucci man was in a house somebody pulled a kick door in his house and Gucci man had that thing on him yeah 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 killed Jeezy's homeboy mm-hmm, got off mm-hmm. on self defense and from then mm-hmm. on it was when I see you on site, I'm going to murder you. Oh wow. And they went back and forth for a dead. decade. Hold, up. Gucci
8: Hold on, man. They
3: had a track to young G. There you go, there we go, there what we go. Bring it up.
8: About how he killed his homeboy.
3: Right, and then and then when he was on the verses, then when he was on the verses, he did the song and shouted out again. Oh yeah, I shot your boy, just so you know. Yeah, the... yeah it was rough. Mm-hmm. Jack, look
1: at Jacqueline's face, horrified. This man who yes. <laughs> killed a man's best friend looked this man in the face at what was supposed to be a reconciliation versus event and said, Mm -hmm. go dig your homeboy up and ask him about me. Yo, there it is. And now they're on tour together. Well,
2: money makes friends.
1: Anything is possible. Whatever grudge you are holding against somebody, I promise you, if Jeezy and Gucci Man can get through theirs, you can get through yours. Rod, flip the script for him real quick.
8: Black people, uh, this week, what you want to talk to white people about is actually two of their favorite things. That is dogs and shrooms. Uh, oh, a woman God. in New Hampshire took her dog on one of their usual walks and the dog ate a wild mushroom that turned out to be very psychedelic and the dog went on an ego death trip.
1: What? <laughs>
8: Tripping ball.
1: That's nothing. Not oh
4: awesome.
1: my god, you
8: gotta see the video. There's a video of it. It is hilarious. That dog looks like it is just not realizing it is a dog. It is it's funny it's fuck. She took the dog to the net and she said, uh, well, I just paid $140 to find out that my dog is just high as fuck.
1: <laughs> not- Why is this funny, Rod? This is not Then why are you (laughs) laughing? You just You just came on the show last with a couple what was it, the weed episode, Ralph? Mm -hmm. Rod Rod was on here all serious. Hey, just so y'all know, when you're shotgunning cannabis into the face of your dog, it's Mm -hmm. not cool because animals have a distorted sense. And now you're on here chuckling because the dog Probably think he a tiger. I mean, what's funnier than that? I was about to say, I am not know.
8: extremely chill. Like, if your dog is town, we, it might act a little weird, but this dog was tripping balls on shrooms. Shrooms.
1: Looked like he was
8: having a damn good
4: time.
1: <laughs> uh, the podcast is Uncle Rod's Story Corner. You can get it wherever you download podcasts. Hit him up on Twitter, Rod, the number four short. Rod for short. Rod, good luck with whatever happens to you the rest of this <laughs> evening. What's up? A good show, Rod. Thank
3: you. Hey, hey, Rod. Hey, Rod. you need me to send that Uber, <laughs> hit me, bro. Hit me. Hit me. I yeah, yeah.
8: I, I, I appreciate that, McDonald. The It costs still outside. I don't think this nigga's leaving. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh. Scam of the week, time. Joining us back again, uh, they are co-founders of a wonderful charity that has supported stand-up comedians who were down that last year during the pandemic. The charity is called Comedy Gives Back. Uh, Jody Lieberman and Zoe Friedman. Zoe, we heard from you earlier during Worst and First. Uh, Jody, we work in a very sleazy business. <laughs> so, you know, of scam day. of the week, you know, we we invite people on, and it could be a scam that you ran, you heard was run. You know, we just like to let people know some of the shadiness that's happening in a lot of different worlds of employment. I'll share mine first. Okay. Uh. Third, I don't know if you've heard. Have you? Have I told you the story of the Dothan Dope Boys?
3: Nah, man. Jacqueline's dying, I, so now I need to know. It's... JG knows the story.
1: She knows the story. So I get a call to do a show in Dothan, Alabama. I told the story on This Is Not Happening on Comedy Central years ago. And so there's this thing, Jody, where, and I don't know if it's everywhere, but for sure in the South, where if you're a dope boy and the police take your drugs or the police take your your money and they fuck up your drug business, your cash flow or whatever, right? The easiest way to get your business back on track is to throw a comedy show or a rap concert and pre-sell the tickets. Take the money from the pre-sold tickets, buy new dope, sell that before the show and use the profits to pay your performers and boom, your drug business is back on track. Look at Zoe's face. Zoe's amazed. Yeah, your dad never thought of that shit when he was running the improv. So I get a call to do a show for some dope boys down in Dothan, and we get there, and it's 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 clear that it's one of these dope boy shows. When we get there, it's clearly, oh my god, we we may not get paid. And. (laughs) Dope Boy pulls us to the side, Ralph. He goes, hey, man, this is the situation. We took the money we were supposed to pay y'all with, and we bought a brick. The dude that was supposed to buy the brick didn't come up here today to buy the brick. He's coming in three days. Can y'all do the show tonight? And then, when we sell the brick, we'll Western Union you, your money.
3: Wow. Yeah.
1: They gonna Western Union? Wow. Now mind you, I'm an opener. I'm only getting seventy five dollars. I'm not the headline. I'm not. It's not like I'm supposed to leave with a thousand bucks. They then go and get the brick of cocaine, and they bring it into the green room. They go, "Tell you what, just let us give you a pinch off the brick. Stop." And you can take that in lieu of payment, but we need you to do this show.
3: They was giving you a part of a brick
1: as collateral because we also do not have the money
3: mm-hmm.
1: to refund all the tickets. Son, stop. They're did
4: praying. you do the show? Did I you do? left,
1: and this man called me 12 times and called me all types of motherfuckers and ah. asshole. And then, then, this is when I was still doing morning radio, they called the radio station Monday oh, morning and snap. talked shit to me at the radio station. Here's the best part of the story, Jody Lieberman. That's here. They they Western Unioned everybody their money who stayed. Oh. That's the South, bruh. Drug dealers with
3: honor. That's the South. Bro. There you I, go. With, <laughs> I shook your hand. I tried to shake your hand, bruh. That's a, that's it right there. that's a great story. Shout out them drug
6: dealers. Shout <laughs> out
3: drug dealers. To this
1: day, out. to this day, I regret not staying <laughs> and doing that show and helping two young business owners get their production company off the
4: ground in exchange for cocaine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cocaine you'd have never done in
6: exchange for mm. cocaine yeah, yeah, sure. Do you know it's where those kidding. guys are now <laughs>
3: i'm guessing a federal facility <laughs> positively <laughs> positively sure after their expense roy they're like man fuck this comedy shit dog Running they don't even Mayor trust me Mobile. they don't even trust me right
1: uh so jody give us one i i know in this world you've seen and heard and
6: so this is something that um Happened many years
1: ago. I was working at Just for Laughs. For the people who don't know, the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival is essentially the NFL combine for comedy. You have the, it's, yes. like, it's like the Rookie Combine and All-Star Weekend combined mm-hmm. into one, where it's the best of the greats, all there in one place, and then it's the best of the new people that you haven't discovered yet.
6: And I remember there was a comic who was doing a big fundraiser Somebody who had cancer and they had raised a ton of money, and there was a lot of comics that were involved in the show. And it came out a little while after that the person that they were ma- raising money for did not have cancer. Oh, and Uh-oh. that just you know being in the comedy oh. world and everybody going and helping and chipping in and pitching in and raising money for somebody, and then to turn around like that it's like well who do you trust and who don't you trust and how could someone say something so I mean there are people who legitimately have cancer who needed help and needed funds and then they go and they raise money for this person and it turned out to be
1: was this (laughs) at a time where you could run a cancer scam more easily like via phone or via like
6: it was before it was 95 internet probably had just started so it was way before social media the internet. It was probably, I think Zoe knows more details about
5: this. I was involved. I booked, this was a very good friend of mine. It was a very good friend of mine whose partner, his baby mama, was the one who said she's very sick. And we, I mean, this show was spectacular. It was the Hollywood Improv. It was like Ray Romano, Kevin James, Gary Shanling, David Spade, like, people show Sarah Silverman. people showed up because he is a oh. beloved comic a little bit probably you know a beloved comic in the community so as comics do they show up for their friends and we put Correct. this night on at the Hollywood Improv and raised money and how they got caught is because she ran the similar scam in Vegas where they live and she was in a show and they have a nonprofit profit called like or something but they were a 501c3 whereas these were just friends there was no infrastructure we were just friends putting it together to help so this friend. isn't
1: pre GoFundMe. this is this is pre, pre-, all of the-
5: pre any of that and so um uh yeah so um so this organization in vegas had to get medical records had to get mm. more criteria in order to have the you money get the so money. they started uh, getting suspicious when she couldn't send them. So then they called the FBI. That's right, like FBI. to make it like so because of because she cashed California checks that I will say Ray Romano Kevin James they all wrote big you know mm-hmm. gave them she cashed them at a cash checking place at four in the morning in oh, the valley i <laughs> oh, mean we all got calls daddy. from the fbi it was but, like who was in on it it was something like ocean's <laughs> 11 scam like who's all in on it it was crazy i'm and-
3: totally i'm totally imagining that the poor person had the check cash and it was like uh, uh, ray, ray oh okay when Kevin, just, are you serious right now? Like, wait, wait, are
5: mean, you? What? But it speaks to how obviously how wow. supportive comics are for other comics, how they're there and kind of are doing what comedy is back kind of is doing without the structure. And now, you know, and by the way, like she was on house arrest, I think for six months or a year.
1: How did she become so beloved in the comedy community with because all
5: the this- right. Because of her husband. I mean, because of because of her the comic. She wasn't a comic. She was she was um, a comic you know, artist. Con artist, yes, a mm-hmm. con artist yes a con artist and she was know, like
3: she was a muse she yeah. was
5: a, yeah she you know she was with this comic i'll tell you it is offhand, and uh you know so everybody <laughs> showed up for the comic because that's what comics do for comics right you showed up on april 5th, you know fourth to help other comics that's what they did they were like oh i'm gonna help him because his wife or baby mom you know is sick and she doesn't have insurance because she's a performer she was a performer in Vegas but not a stand-up she was uh, Mm -hmm. um in one of the you know live shows or whatever but But, silly yeah he's he's complicit too though I I remember hearing that he didn't know
6: like she lied to him also this is before really like the internet had maybe just started Mm -hmm. maybe it was like
5: 2000s
1: but, so online. I think he was it very was- much
5: in love with her. She was very attractive. Mm-hmm. I think to your point, Raoul, like, you know, the Panani might be the the leader there. And I, I went into, so they lived in Vegas and my husband and I and a couple another friend went to Vegas and we saw them before the fundraiser when she was, and they shared. And she just sort of like, I didn't know anybody with cancer at the time. So I had nothing to compare it to, but I was like, mm-hmm. she just is disappearing. Then she's going to urgent care. I mean, I think she was getting drugs. I mean, I think she was getting opioids, like painkillers. Mm-hmm. Like because she would disappear and he'd be like, I'd be like, where's where's? Oh, she's over at whatever. And I was like, but she's there yesterday. Or, mm-hmm. It was a very weird thing. But again, I was like, I don't know what it, it's like to have cancer. Maybe she doesn't have insurance. I was trying to like make every yes. excuse in the book. But he, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't complicit, complicit. He was just either in love or just kind of check. I don't know. He you was know, like love. Know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, you yeah,
6: called
4: it. Last I was stupid.
6: That's what I remember. That was a big, big scam in the comedy community. Like I was in Montreal at just for laughs, and hearing about it and little did i know we were talking about it today and so he's like i was involved <laughs> in that
5: i don't book people on that
1: that's crazy oh oh man well thank you all so much for coming on the show the website is comedy please let us know um are there any plans or let us know when there are plans to do anything else with that i'm happy to be a part of it we'll make the job fair a part of it whatever we can do to help supplement what you all are doing to help keep comedians from sleeping in cars and dealing with mental health. As you know, that's a big issue in our community with all of the performers, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm here for you all. Thank you all so, so much. Zoe Friedman, Jody Lieberman. Thank you for coming on the job there.
5: Nice to meet you. Thank you. you. Thank you, Roy, for having us. And I'll be such a great supporter of comedy gives back. Thank Thank you. Thank you.
1: That's the show. Russ Job Fair a presentation of iHeartRadio Comedy Central and South Park of Princeton Productions. Uh, rate and review the show. I'm gonna ask you for that because I haven't oh. asked you to do that in a long time. So You don't do third, that. That's like the third time in fucking thirty episodes that I've asked you to do me a solid and just type something nice about this fucking program. So we can stay on the air. Um, I'm on tour, not much longer. I think I got like a couple more weeks left. Uh, Denver, uh, holler at me, man. We're coming there. Um, October October 16th October 16. October 16. October 16. 16. that third hour special. I was wondering.
2: I was wondering Ooh. where you were going with that Atlanta thing. I was like, "Don't you know you have to go there?" Calm
1: down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you oh, You talking about with Jeezy and all them Yes. I mean, look, man. Atlanta. No, I'm telling the truth about their history. I'm just not. I'm smart enough to not pick a side. Yeah. That's true. That's
3: really the trick. Don't, don't, don't go down there. If you're not from Atlanta, Jeezy, you, not, you do not mm-hmm. need to choose a side in that Jeezy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, best, the best thing you can do is choose outcasts, and that way nobody gets upset with you. It's the easiest way to go. Straight Switzerland. The Switzerland of <laughs> rap boots. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All day. <laughs> Don't nobody want to get smacked up for like a shawty low. I'm good. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm good. like Atlanta strip clubs, and I still want to go to them. Shout out Body Tap, right. Blue Flame, Magic City. I love all of y'all. Thank you for helping my matriculation.
0: This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.